0: Yeah, setup is what kills most shops every and time.
1: I, Who is your programmer? What is their mentality? What is their mindset? It changes everything. One yeah. person
2: you hang a boring bar out a difference of an inch and a half, and that can change your entire oh, change program. Everything. it changes
1: everything. My mind was like, "This is the problem that needs to be solved," and nobody's talking about it. You know. You know. It's crazy. Is that every time I go to the, one of these monster plants, and you know. You know, probably by the time this comes out or maybe a little bit after, people are going to see where I just was. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. And like automation is off the charts when it comes to the machines and how big they are and how they like just the work holding and everything off the charts. Incredible. But guess what? It's exactly what we teach on our videos. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just on a different level. It's the same mentality, the same kind of mindset and and the you know, figuring out how to actually hold these difficult to hold parts basically. If you watch our videos, you're basically teaching the exact same thing and I love that, you yeah. know. Similar parts too. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at this trade, I mean, it's it's like if if you figure out the correct way to do anything especially like work holding and and like building fixtures and stuff then it's just everything's scalable so mm-hmm. when when you're at a when you're a million dollar when you're in the garage or you're a million dollar company or a 10 million dollar company or a hundred million dollar or a billion dollar company you're basically using the exact same knowledge yeah. and and like work holding techniques and you know purchasing all the same stuff it's just on a different scale yeah
2: well it's the mindset i think you had mentioned that maybe in your last talk this this mindset and you can take that mindset from a hundred thousand dollar company even a ten thousand dollar company where you're in your garage that idea of being efficient with what you have using what's in front of you to the best of its capacities and you can just continue to rise level after level
3: oh yeah because yeah. it don't matter if you're a billion dollar company if you're hemorrhaging money because you don't have the processes in place to efficiently take on projects Mm -hmm. then that's exactly what you're going to be doing money and
0: standardizing things is so important with with that in mind i mean i think about a place where me and you both worked before and you know we looked at our tooling and we were stocking like 30 different half inch end mills and it's like why are we keeping these on hand like we could probably get away with just four and we did that and we ended up saving like 70 grand a year
2: when it simplifies just the whole process for everybody right you don't have people trying to figure out why there are 30 different in mills right. why your your setup sheets don't match the email that they put down you know because it was one of 30.
3: That's right, yep. it, it got to that spot because we really wasn't tracking it and we were growing so fast like we were adding programmers that wasn't there the year before and now all of a sudden you know every time a new programmer, programmer comes in it's well I like this mm-hmm. this company I like this company so next thing you know we had 13 different Half inch in mills, yeah. and finally somebody looked at it like Barry and was like, "Hey, this is not good." We yeah, need this to... does make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of one of the things that I was up in York, PA last mm-hmm. week on Thursday speaking, they had a great event up there, and um, but one of one of the things I was I was telling all the manufacturers is that one one of the things that. I think is great in a company, is when you invest in the people and you invest in education Mm -hmm. and you do it in a way that excites people, you know? So if I have 30 different end mills, then on a Saturday, I might say, hey, Jesse, Travis, Barry, you know, the rest of the guys, how about we come in, I'll go buy a bunch of food, you know, donuts, whatever, and let's just hang out for a couple hours and let's just take some cuts and actually just take the top five end mills and let's see what they can do. Mm -hmm, You know what I mean? And everybody likes testing tools and just get after it and and do different types of materials and just see which one lasts longer, which one you can push, you know? And then through that entire process and wheedling it all down, you can actually find, say, hey, um, for this material, this is the cutter this is the service foot and the chip load and this and the depth of cut and all that in aluminum it's this in whatever yeah, you know absolutely. and you start standardizing these tools and what happens too is you build culture because your employees are like i love this mm-hmm. i'm watching the same tool and different tools run at different speeds and feeds for different types of parts but basically doing the same thing and I watch it day in and day out and I always wonder, can it be faster than mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And sure. it's like all of a sudden, it's coming on a Saturday, let's actually do it. And I think every single company should have test days like that Absolutely. for different yeah. things and figure out what your standards are. Absolutely, yep. you wanna move forward intelligently, right? <clears throat> and so much of that
2: is having the right data, you know, the right data to, to manage. You know, you have to be able to, it, it wouldn't make any sense to come in and just get rid of emails, not knowing whether or not you're getting rid of the best product. I think get, get gathering that data it's such a, a wise move. Yep.
0: And it's great too, because the people on the shop floor know that your decisions now are based on actual data, exactly. not just my yep. opinion on this exact right.
2: vendor. You and know. you'll
3: have so many of those your tool reps that come in. Oh, you I see you're running that in mill. Well, mine will double your tool life. Yeah. And it's mine always will double your tool life. Yeah. So it's good to like have like, Oh, okay. You know, we did that, uh Barry actually did it at, at General Atomics was we had several different ones that we liked, and we set up the same exact program and said, "Let's see how long you last." Yep. And we we've separated out the top three versus the ones that didn't even come close. Mm-hmm. And it was
0: funny because some of them we were paying like two hundred fifty bucks for one half inch end mill, and then like it ended up being a sixty two dollar one that we yeah, ended that up making our standard. So
1: super good, yeah. super good. I think that if if you if you that's one way to actually take your programming to the highest level is isolate and figure out what are the best tools for each application and make them standards. Uh, one of the companies that I was surprised hadn't quite done that, but actually did it after visiting us, was a pretty monster company. Oh, and that's yeah, yeah. Lockheed Martin. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Day. That, yep. was, that, that was, was crazy. Awesome. We yeah. actually did a... a they googled how to actually machine incanel 718 and came up with the video the zombie mill mm-hmm. where we were just talking about you know it running for seven hours and they were like well ours only runs for like less than 60 minutes or 60 minutes and we're not going that fast so there's no way that our mrr is up to speed and these a lot of these You know, older machinists are just doing the same way they've done for 20, 30 years, and they're not increasing. So, uh, hey, Cannon can you actually contact Titan and get us in there? And (laughs) we'd love to see, like, what he's doing different and stuff. And then, Barry, we we actually did, like, a pretty cool… It was a great you know. test,
2: yeah. yeah. they were pretty impressed, if I
0: remember correctly. Yes, I was, too. I mean, uh-huh. you know, they were talking about they were getting one pocket per end mill, and it was taking them, I think, an hour they per had a pocket. specific.
1: We can't show the part, but there's a specific part they were doing that had multiple pockets in yep. it, and they were doing one per end mill, right? Yep,
0: yep, and we ended up doing four pockets in the same amount of time with yep. one tool. So With yeah. one that, tool. That was a super cool test. Yeah. And that's like, you know, when you first told me about why – you love the Harvey Three Arrow. I love the fact that you got that opinion based on what had happened in the real world. Yeah. So, you know, saying that, what was it, $100,000 you saved on just that one job because oh, of yeah. that tool? Crazy.
3: Yeah, I remember that, I think that was either my first week or second week here. And I started smiling, like knowing that I'd made a good decision about being here because I remember we walked up to the whiteboard and, and Titan walked up and he goes, this is what we're gonna do. You put a drill in, and he's like drawing it out, you know, mm. put a drill in, put this tool in, get the bottom out, then come in with that tool so it doesn't ruin the corners and yep. stuff. I was like, oh yeah, here we go. It was great. He,
1: you know? he, bring it in, enough to step over, just helical right in that baby right there. Boom, yep. drop, <laughs> drop down, drop then down. helical. Mm. And that ended
0: up in another cool video too where we took that one that was damaged where I actually had all the flutes were chipped and broken and then we were able to do, I think, 17 full slots yeah. through steel with it just because I knew it would Murder. survive that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it was Murder. super
1: good. Wow. I, I always tell people, when, when I was up there speaking, I said, who programs? And all these hands went up and I said, not a single one you are, of you are the same. Everyone programs based on their experience, mm-hmm. their applications based on who they've they've known the type of machine that they're on there and everyone's different and therefore if if one company had switched out each programmer on the same job that cost would be different because every single person's different so one of the biggest and most important things that you have to understand as a company who's producing a part that matters and you need to get time down is like who is your programmer what is their mentality what is their mindset Mm -hmm. and are they are they are they striving for just being obsessed to just keep perfecting the Art, you know what I mean, uh-huh. and keep getting better and an obsession for perfection. That's right, you know what I, mean? I, I love two. the way you
0: say that the programmer is the one that dictates the pace of the shop because 100%. that is so true.
1: Yeah, and and, and, it, and it's like if if you walk onto a floor and 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 it's making a million dollars worth of product, there will always be an alpha programmer. There will always be one guy that started there at the beginning or gained the respect from other people or you know however you got there but that person is the one that dictates it and other people are kind of underneath that person if there's many different programmers and if that person is amazing the entire floor will be amazing so long they have good documentation they understand the how to do standards and and they all kind of rise to that person's level. But if if it's like a zoo, you know, and, and you have different people running different tools, I mean the same tool in different ways, like you guys were talking mm-hmm. about, yes. and it's just all in disarray, then then you you're gonna have major problems, you know? But you bring in the right person. That person will be able to look at everything and by just adding certain standards, not just standards in tools, but in service foot, chip load, depth of cut, all of it for each type of material and application. By adding these in and and making it law for all programmers to do the exact same thing or bring something that's better to make that the standard. Then the entire company will rise because the price to manufacture the parts will decrease, which gives you a better profit, which allows everybody to get paid, which the culture will get better. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Yeah. One yeah. person. Yeah. And Absolutely. if and if your head programmer does it the same way and he's not willing, then that person needs to be fired. Yep. And I'm sorry for anybody. I've I've literally gotten people fired over this. And but you have a whole company that's staking everything on your decision making and if you're not constantly striving to be better mm-hmm. if you're not a true leader and you're not like bringing the heat as far as just making everything flow perfectly then you should not be in that position
2: yep so yep. good it's funny it's like there's a there's really this Kind of balancing that because you want to be consistent, you wanna develop standards, you want everybody on the same page, but you also have to be able to step back, look at the situation, and be willing to innovate. Like you say, if somebody comes with a better solution, you have to be willing to look at that and perhaps give it a chance. Yep. So you have to be willing to change yep. at the same time. And, well. and
1: sometimes you don't wanna just throw if a job's running forever, you don't wanna just stop the machine, okay. let it blink, go put in the end mill right there and that's why it's important to after work or on a saturday or something throw like a little test party, you know, and you know. be like hey, we're going to actually take some monster cuts, we're going to murder some material and we're going to see what these things can can do. And if we can actually, you know, find something better then we will actually go and change the original mm-hmm. programs that are running on the machines and make that law yep. you know
0: and usually it'll blow your mind through the results i mean think about how, so many, how many tests we've done and it's like holy cow you know we've been leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table and didn't oh, even yeah. know it.
2: well so many people don't track that data right they, they never get it and they just have no idea yep well
1: you you, you can look at like drilling steel or stainless and and you still see people doing high-speed steel or they'll they'll go to a carbide end mill and and they're still feeding at like 18 inches a minute you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and two inches a minute you know 18 is probably fast you know and then and then they're just taking these small pecs and stuff and 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 they're like they're drilling so many holes and they're not thinking that you could actually go to one of the higher-end drills that are that are designed to break the chips and designed for that specific material, like Kenemoto has some of these drills, like in steel, these things are running at like a hundred to two hundred inches per minute in steel. Yep, you know what I mean, or like us twenty-three hundred inches. Twenty-three. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's on the end mill, but on the drilling, you know what I mean. Like it's just like boom, you know, it's just murdering it. You yeah. know. Yep.
0: So. I, I love new tooling and I love innovations and. People, I think, a lot of times don't realize how much money those things can make you if, yeah. if you're open-minded and you, mm-hmm. you bring
3: in... Well, that's where it Absolutely. starts, right, being open-minded. Because yeah. I'm living proof of what you was just talking about. Like, I'm not saying I was the that alpha programmer you were talking about, but I was asked to do a process document for tight tolerance parts. So I had to write up, this is the procedure that we do because a lot of the parts that I was getting... Was those tight tolerance parts, and they were generally coming out good. And but we would hand it the same type stuff to another programmer, and it might not. And it would be a completely different process. And so I was asked to create a document like that. Said, take your processes that you're doing and some of the other programmers that is that's working, and let's create this document so every programmer follows this like if you're doing this tight tolerance hole it has a three thousandth true position this is how you do that hole and stuff like that you know and it's and that was made it so much better once we had that document in place
2: you can you can get a lot of different variants and even from your programmers even down to your setup guys if you have a difference between there your setup guys who do your tool hangouts and stuff like that your fixturing and stuff like that yeah. i had to write up several uh process documents as well just for setup text and stuff like on the lays and making sure that uh you you know you hang a boring bar out a difference of an inch and a half and that can change your entire oh, program it changed everything now your program is no good and now we'll go changing yeah. your program when it wasn't the program at all yeah it was it was, how you set it, up. it was just yeah. a simple setup you yeah. know so you want to see that consistency all the way down right from from basically your 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 programming to your setup to even your operators that consistency is key
3: 100 percent.
0: and it's not just good for the company you know it's good for every machinist on the floor they know what to expect they know what to do exactly like everybody gets in that same rhythm and groove and just you know you start making real money when that happens yeah
1: yeah so i think i think that running tools is something that every shop like figuring out your standards figuring out like how to push them uh, getting to that sweet spot standardizing it then allowing all your programmers and machinists to actually run off the same standard unless they have something better that is tested and proven and replaces the current standard so i also think that when you get to that point going to uh like talking talking about ways that shops can improve right so advancing your programming uh, techniques your tool path techniques is everything mm-hmm. right your tools your standard tools and then looking at the different parts that are actually on your floor and taking certain machines and standardizing those machines if you have if you cut a lot of steel then you cut a lot of stainless you cut titanium and inconel and aluminum taking different machines and uh taking those applications and kind of standardizing them to certain machines. So this machine is where we do all the aluminum. We don't just, you know, it's due right now and this one's open. So we're just gonna put it over here where we mostly run steel over here. And then next week it'll be over there. And then the next week it's gonna be over here. Actually figuring out, you know, your scheduling so you can run most of your Mm -hmm. different like materials together Mm -hmm. and then really focusing on taking your standard tools that like an end mill if your sweet end mill your sweet spot for an end mill is a three quarter that's just that's where you're willing to spend that money to go bigger you don't quite have the horsepower it could be a half inch and you just feel like this is the size that we that we use the most standardizing the actual tool magazine or the carousel so you actually have those end mills in place and you program off of those tool pockets so that you can start alleviating like all that setup get rid of Mm -hmm. all that setup and stuff and then running like put all the tools for stainless steel you know drills and tools and like put all like parts together when you can start doing those types of things like you look at these aerospace companies and we're talking about tube fittings and we're talking about different types of parts where they're so similar. They just might have a few different types of ports. They might have different, you know, tube ends or, or whatever. And it's like, you know, getting the boring bars, the drills, and the end mills, the end mills are so universal and actually, you know, figuring out pockets where these are all end mills, then I'm gonna have like, you know, boring and drilling and, and different things and leaving them in there. And then just yep. Yeah, that's a huge money savings. Yeah,
0: setup is what kills most shops. Every time. And a lot of management don't understand that. You know, like I've seen so many places where they'll give you 15 minutes for every setup. And it's like, well, no, this setup is going to take me six hours. Mm -hmm. And they'll come out. Or two days. Yeah, (laughs) or two days, yeah, or longer. And, you know, since they don't understand that, they have no trouble, you know, telling people hey pull you know pull that job off that machine we'll come back to it later and you know set up set up this job easy peasy right right yep (laughs) yeah and it's like man you know it took us days to get this dialed in and everything perfect and and they're like well why you know no setup should take longer than 15 minutes and it's like sorry it they do yeah so anytime you can make it to where you have even one less tool that has to be assembled that it, it saves a tremendous amount of time and money when it when it's, you know, extrapolated across a year. Oh, it year. does.
2: Uh, over, over tool and setup after setup after setup, you think about even on, on a lathe, I mean, if you're going from aluminum to stainless steel, you're going to be switching out all those inserts. You got different grades, you might have different, you know, cutting edges and whatnot, and yep. that, that stuff adds up.
3: Yeah, and like you're saying, standardizing even your tool numbers and stuff is yep. because on, right on top of all that setup, you'll have, well, th- if you have a lot of programmers, well, I've got this programmer that's, he just brought me the next job, and he's using the same tools, but yep. guess what? They're all in different tool. Yep. Well, then you're either got to change them all, or, well, well, I'll just change my numbers, and then you fat finger a number, and you end up crashing the machine. You forget 1H2, it one, yep.
2: one and it's yep. game over, mm-hmm. you know? And that just takes time, too, over and over, doing right. that job yep. after job.
1: Yeah, I think, I think this is a good conversation because a lot of companies are looking for ways to save money and drop costs and do all that. And they, they're they looking to automation. And 100% automation in the future of CNC machining is standard practice. And you're not going to bring the work back without truly getting it. But Absolutely. we're talking about all of it. So before automation you know, standardizing tools and standardizing, you know, working off a tool library and and doing these different things. Another one to really save money is fixturing and work holding. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. You, if, if you're looking and you're like, this is taking me way too long and it's causing one person to stand there at the machine and you have like one, two or three vices and you're running one part per vice or two parts per vice, and you're just opening the doors, closing the doors, opening the doors, closing the doors, you are literally like you have to look at other ways to do Mm -hmm. it. And in our fixture series, which is amazing, we teach four different styles of unique fixturing with mighty bike clamps to actually hold raw material, then flip it over and actually grab a hold of the machine part and actually machine it and we do it in a way that any one of them you could have a thousand parts lined up pop in machine fans and stuff to get rid of the chips Mm -hmm. or or whatever and and this is a way that you can actually if you had parts that were two minutes or one minute a piece and you had a six minute runtime you could actually make that into an hour and a half runtime by running so many different pieces and get inventive and bring the time in with a chip fan or something else or coolant to like get rid of the chips and, and all that. But it actually would save you so much time because a person does not have to sit there with that machine, they exactly. could actually be other places. Somewhere else. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And you
0: know, there was a place that I worked at where I did a bunch of testing and one thing I did was uh, time how long it took to set up 30 tools and then just said, okay, on average, it's gonna take us two minutes to set up a tool. Uh, set up a vice 15 times and indicated it in and said okay 10 minutes to, to put a, yeah ten ten minutes to put a vice <laughs> on the table and get it straight uh we did the same thing with like uh opening and closing the door 30 seconds mm-hmm. to go from taking the part out to putting the new part in and closing the door so you think if you have a thousand part run and you're doing one part at a time yeah. that's 500 minutes that you're wasting just exactly. opening and closing the door
2: yeah And when you lay it out like that, sometimes you just got to put it out, right? Put it on paper and put it in. It it can be mind blowing sometimes the amount of time put into just worthless activities. Yeah. Yeah,
3: You've got your perception of Mm -hmm. how it is. I'm killing it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When you put it on paper, it's not how it looks.
0: Especially, you know, like when you're like us and you're creating kind of a a race against yourself, you're like, I can get in there and, you know, take the part out, put a new one in, and it's only going to be seven seconds. But I know uh, that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We do it all the time, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know- actually seeing on paper how much time is being wasted during a process. Like if you put a robot into a situation like that, it's putting lipstick on a pig. You got to get the pig straight before, you know, you start adding in automation.
1: Yeah. Per- perfect the process, get everything absolutely dialed. And then when when you're still in need, then step up to the automation and stuff. So fixturing, there's so many different crazy fixture plates that you can do. You can just look up Titans of CNC and look up, fixturing you know and work holding and you'll see all these videos drop down so many different cool techniques i tell everybody like we always we always show the fixturing and show the homemade fixtures because that's the art that's what separates machinists but it's like once these guys see it they're they instantly know it and have an idea. And then once they see a similar part, they can be like, hey, on Titans of CNC, on the YouTube channel, I actually saw them hold a part like this. What was that they were using? Oh, Uniforce mm-hmm. clamps, exactly. oh, Pitbull clamps. Yep. And and we don't get paid, we're not getting paid for Mighty Bite, you know, to actually do it. But I've just always, I've just loved the art of fixturing and being able to do a million different pieces and stuff. And, and then you take that same knowledge from a table, like a custom table setup, and you put it right onto your tombstone setups in a horizontal fourth axis mm-hmm. or a bad boy like this right here with the RSP yeah. and the Heller, and then you do the same thing. You design these big uh, tombstones to have a ton of parts. A lot of people look at these big machines and they think it has to be one part on it, but it, you can have a tombstone with a bunch of different parts and, and it just rotates and just cranks all of it. You know? Yep, yeah. and there's like,
0: some of the things i really like are the modular systems like the vero S. yeah uh you know shunk makes all kinds of different uh vero S module plates so like if you have like a, a four vero S, uh unit what i like is you know you you buy these a uh, plate you mount your vice to that plate and then you take your 10 minutes of setup time to get a vice in and straight down the 10 seconds, mm-hmm. yeah. so you have all your fixtures already mounted to these plates, you just pop the old one off, put yeah. the new one in, and you're within two tenths of perfection. Yeah. So.
1: I've, done, I've done it with both. I've done it where we have the, the vices and we have the pins coming out of the vices and we hook it, and depending on what you're running, it's a good system, but I don't think there's enough surface area. Like the modules for the Vera S, there's two of them. Then there's a lot of empty space, you know. So then, what you said, that's actually uh, what we've done mostly in the in the past is actually put it put the vices on a plate and take the pl- which has the surface area and it kind of like lock it. But it's still it's still a little, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not ever going to be. As but the rigid. but the more the more that you have that heaviness, denseness, rigidity, the better. The I think the way that we did it, we actually had two vices hooked to it so it was like it was like a big piece it wasn't one piece it was a big piece so with having two vices and the entire square of the plate coming down on four barrel s's that made it rock solid yep you know what i mean yeah for yeah, sure super good
3: it's the repeatability is just amazing with that type of stuff mm-hmm. yeah. yep. it is just taking in and out. Number one, it's already lined up. And two is if I need to take it out and need to put it back in. Yeah, It's exactly. right there. Uh, yeah, and the so, many, small shops, adjustments.
0: so yeah. many shops are caught up on cost for things like that. And it's like, you know, say you have this $1,000 thing and they're like, oh, you know, that's too expensive. Well, how much is it costing you every time somebody has to put a vice in that right. machine across an entire year? Probably more than you think. Way more, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And, and like, it's the it's art of taking – setup out of a machine like the vera if you if you put the vera system on your table or a similar system or just put a base plate sub plate down and you actually create another plate to go on all of a sudden by you taking all the setup out and making it so easy to reset up you're decreasing the amount of money that you have to charge your customer and that's a huge selling point. I would always sell that to the customers. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, they're taking this part, the, the part is 30 minutes, but it, it literally has 12 hours of setup and they're gonna keep setting it up and, and charging you for all of this time. We're gonna do it one time, and then we're gonna do it and actually make it so we just shelf it and we just lock it in, boom and like even run off a tool list, you know, and we basically will never set up again. And so we'll just charge you for instead of 12 hours, it'll be like a couple hours with inspection and the 30 minutes and then, uh, yeah. And then the price will be this instead of this. and. That's how you dig your roots into these customers, and they never want to go anywhere else because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. love you because you're saving money, and you can explain exactly how you're saving them that money.
0: Yep, and it's funny because they they can go out and get quotes from other vendors, and they're all going to come back at double the price that you're making them yeah. for. Exactly. And it's like, hmm, well, I guess we're going to stick with this guy yeah. forever. Mm-hmm.
3: Especially when you can make two plates, and that one's in there. Oh yeah, and you're with the spindle running, and then you're out here changing parts on the next one, and yep. it's just boom, boom, yep. go.
1: Yeah, and then when you make that fixture and you put it into your quote, and you say, hey, I'm gonna actually build two two different fixtures. I'm gonna actually, each one's gonna hold 20 parts. Um, my competition's gonna actually open a door every two parts. I'm gonna actually run 20 parts or 40 parts at a time, and then I'm gonna actually put those over here, and the next time, my setup will be super easy, or literally, sp- I'll spend 15 minutes plus inspection time to reset up the machine and that'll allow me to give you these parts at this price and it means everything you know and then what I what I do what we would do back in the day is I just say hey you know it's going to cost me $3000 to actually mm-hmm. build these plates and I'm going to keep them at the shop and they would never even ask for them or anything mm-hmm. even yeah. though they're paying for them and I'm like this is a tool that we will use and then your price will always be this so this is the price there's there's an NRE a non-recurring estimate charge, and basically you pay us the three thousand dollars or five thousand or whatever it is, and boom, we're dialed. You know, and and then they they can't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like Titan has has the has all the fixturing for this. We've invested in this. Yeah. Like we don't care about trying to find a better price right now. This is our partner. You know? Well,
2: it's such a good analogy to like what you mentioned, Barry. I mean, these big companies see that, right? You have this initial investment and then you're saving money for the entirety of that work after that. Yep. It's the same way you can look at it as a machine shop owner, right? You have a upfront price and then you save all that money over and yeah. over and over again.
1: Yeah. So, so before people even step up to automation, there's ways of bringing more efficiency into the way you set up, the way you program the way you run your machines, you know, and then taking that to, you know, a regular fourth axis, like horizontal mill, you know, using it in creating fixtures and and tombstones and stuff like that. But as I think right now, there's never been a time, like we always say, oh, the work needs to come back. We need to fight for these jobs and and different things. But when you actually look at the current, you know where the current supply chain for most companies is that actually outsource everyone's in trouble yeah. everyone is like everything's taking a long time there's so much uncertainty with you know wars and and china and all these different things that you have companies and they if they can't get their products they can't make assemblies or if they can't get their products they and they just get the entire assembly from another country, then they can't sell anything. And that puts their entire company in jeopardy. So I think right now is the time that many companies right now need to like listen to these types of things come up with ideas for the applications for your customers and go in there with a solution that they've never heard before show them how you can decrease their prices how you can actually have a better price than china you know i've done things in the past where i went in and said hey i'm a small person you're a big person you actually if you purchase my material and take care of the outside processing i won't I won't increase the price because if I'm going to do it and it costs two thousand dollars, I'm going to actually charge you an extra fifteen percent, twenty percent on it, right? Because I'm having to incur that that cost right there and and all of it. But if you do it, then you can you can just pay for it, and then I'll decrease my the amount that I charge you for the parts, and we'll create this crazy fixturing and way to do it, and you just create these partnerships, man.
0: Yep, and it's win win. Both it, parties are happy. it's a
1: win-win and right now is when everyone needs to think about it like that's how if you're a small shop and you want to grow in this bad environment then you have to solve the right problems for a customer so think about who you're doing work for who you're not doing work for but you want to do work for and start hustling that and come up with a great game plan that where you save them money in a tangible way with an actual plan that is can be consistent over a long term because nobody's going to just quit giving work to China because you said so, you know what <laughs> I mean? Come up with an actual like long-term plan and and sell it. Sell yeah. it. Everyone yeah. wants to bring they want to bring the work back. They just don't know how.
0: Yeah. And you know like it or not, the work is coming back, thanks to the whole supply chain crisis, but it's up to us to figure out how to keep it here once percent back, yeah. because yep. the supply chain crisis won't be there forever.
1: Yeah. And won't uh, I think I think some of, I don't think that's super accurate, not to call it, but a lot of it is coming up. But you know how much price they make over there? You know what I mean, in other countries? And, and if you're in Australia, you know, it's like, your, your work is in other countries too. If you're in the UK, you're buying your work from other countries. There is so much work that is not coming back. There, uh, Just because people here, they don't even, like these companies, they want to bring it back, but they don't even know who could manufacture it. They don't even know who will actually answer the phone and actually have a good conversation with them. You know what I mean? Yep. So I agree but I also think that there is so much work, you know, I, I was I've had, I've had I've talked to people in and in, in huge companies, you know, Parker Hannafin, where this guy usually like God, I've said it before. He got on the phone with me. He's like, Titan, I have tens and tens of millions of dollars worth of product. I want to bring back and actually source here and no shop can actually handle it. I'd have to go to like a hundred different shops to actually give them bits and pieces and manage all of that just to get it and the amount of work that that was. I can't do it, I can't do it, you know what I mean? So I think that that is awesome in a way because if you have it in your your being, your head, your heart, that you can actually rise up, even if you don't have the money, If you have perfected the art and you can sell yourself, you can actually show people how to bring that work back and explain exactly all the variables in place and how you're going to raise every single one. Maybe they just contract your company to build a bigger company to actually do exactly that. But right now, they need it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like a lot of work's not coming back. A lot of work is coming back, but there is so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the entire country of China is just growing everything. The biggest military, the biggest everything is growing because we're paying them to do so by doing our work that we've taken away from our people, you know? And it's like crazy yeah
0: and then wondering why we have unemployment and all these other problems here in the states it's because all that work is over there and not here and that's
3: what i was going to add to what you said about that uh, planning your roots in a company is because you know it's not even always about being the cheapest you don't have to be the cheapest it's true you need to learn what is important to that customer you're 100%. trying to get because we had customers in the past that didn't really care about price, but their parts better be right. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more important to them that when they get something in that they've been waiting on, they go, they put it on the machine, they do what they need to do with it and it works and they move because if they're down one hour, it's hundreds of thousands yep. of dollars, you know, it, it's it got to be right. And they didn't care to spend a little extra money and come to us that they knew we were going to be more expensive than other people But they knew when we made it, it was going to be right. And, you know, I've talked to
0: to friends of mine who were buying their parts from China or other countries, and they tell me that they would have to buy 10 parts to get one good one. So mm-hmm. if they needed 100 parts, they'd buy 1,000, and they knew that they were going to have to go through every single part and check them and throw 9 out of 10 yeah. away. But.
3: This is a completely different industry, but the furniture industry, you know, uh, Mississippi has a lot of furniture industry, and most of it has went to China and other countries, and that's exactly what they have to do. They've literally got lines in some of these factories that do nothing, but when the um, furniture comes off the truck from these other countries – they almost have to disassemble the whole thing and fix whatever's wrong sure. with it. They literally have lines that just do that.
1: Yep.
0: So a little bit extra cost would definitely
3: make it worth not yeah. having to go yeah. through
1: that. I think a lot of, now that we've talked about, you know, programming and tooling and fixturing and, and different things, you know, looking, looking at automation, when you actually bring these jobs back that have, Ten thousand pieces, a hundred thousand pieces, a hundred percent. You gotta look at automation, right? If it's not a tiny little piece that you can actually put on a, you know, multi-spindle or you know, like a Swiss machine or something like that, then you gotta look at automation. Here's something that I don't I don't know if I've told you, but in two thousand seven I actually created a company, a separate company called Air. I oh, never heard of it. Yep. American Industrial Robotics. <laughs> You remember that?
2: No, I don't actually. Okay, <laughs> I'm hearing so this for the first that's, time.
1: So that's even before <laughs> Travis. So mm-hmm. I, we were making so much money with Subsea, and we had these contracts that were going out to 2017 with Schilling Robotics, and we're making all the titanium parts for all these ROVs and stuff. And and I started getting into automation and stuff. And um, I bought a I bought a couple of robots. I, I went down to LA and you know took a class with Fanuc, you know LR Mate and stuff. And mm-hmm. and I started like looking at the robots and how everywhere at that time, everywhere I went, they were actually like on lades, they were like putting the robots on a cage basically above the machine so that it was to get it out of the way of the operator to come down or it was in a cage and it was smack dab in front of a machine. Mm -hmm. And basically the robot would like go in, but you had to, you know, during fixturing and set up, you're, you're having a maneuver around this robot, you know, the robots were fixed. So at that time I, I was like, how do you remove the robot from the, and how do you make it like, where you can actually move it from machine to machine? So what we did was we actually made a precision, basically pallet, and I still have all the drawings. I hired engineers and everything. And basically, it it actually had had four legs that that were on these pivots that were so precision that we could actually move them down and come back, and they they would respond with intense. It was so good, and basically the plat maybe a thou. like it was it was tight though, and basically it had a table, and then the table and these the these guys had pins coming through, and basically you pick this thing up like a with a forklift, like it's a, a metal pallet, it would lift up, and you move it into another machine. It would go down, get set in pins, kind of like the barrel S, mm-hmm. if that was yep. in the floor, and it would it would lock down. And if the lathe if the lathe was right here, it'd be to the left of the door. And then when you're done, it, it would actually rotate down, and the table would come in front of the machine, and the robot, smaller robot, smaller weight would actually do everything. And then whenever you wanted to, we we had a beautiful controller. We had like the American flag and it said air. And it was Mm -hmm. like American industrial robotics. And it was just like something I said we were making so much money machining parts, that I just was so fascinated with the emergence of robotics and all that. So at that time I got so deep into it and, and I I was just like, I had crazy dreams. Like, hey, I'm going to, because you have to make the robots go from machine to machine, to machine based on for job shops and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, we, we, we made a prototype and it worked perfectly and it was awesome. And, um, yeah, we made all the controllers, we did all the things, we had our supply chain, that, and it was like a really cool thing that we figured out. And then literally the the world started collapsing and everything happened and I sidetracked the whole thing and never went back to it. Wow. Yeah. But you know what's crazy? Is that I always had that in my head because when I look at these robots and you look at like the typical robot, you'll see there's a robot and there'll be a cell, there'll be a couple of machines and the robot never moves. and but it's, it's you don't really see them in job shops, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And when I was when I was at Emo, I came across a company and Keith knew these guys called Halter, and it's completely different than what I was thinking. And yet I was like almost before my time, you know what <laughs> I mean? Because these guys have created a cage that basically it is the same thing, it gets moved and placed in front of different machines for a job. Like you could run hundreds of millions, of, I mean hundreds of thousands of parts, or you can just run a hundred parts or 60 parts and basically put this thing and do all the things that we said, you know, to make everything flawless and it'll just change out the parts. So it's like a robotic system mm-hmm. in its own cage that basically, um, then you have these like um, plates that go in at basically all these different ways of holding different types of parts. They can go on mills and lays and stuff. And uh, I guess this is the first time saying that we're actually gonna bring one into our facility and we're Ooh, going to actually man. set up some cool jobs, you know? Nice. Which I think is great because I think that you know that that's a that's one of the things that you have to think about that is so universal. How do you get a robot that you can actually just move around to different machines? And uh, use on different applications. Do it quickly and efficiently, and actually like help you save, and it'll save you money, and and just make everything so easy. A lot of people have big dreams to do it, but it's difficult. It is. Everybody's like, oh, I'm gonna get a robot. And then you walk in there on a Tuesday and it's just sitting, Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) what I mean? For whatever reason. Well, there are
2: jobs, you have like integrators, right? Their Mm -hmm. whole job is to help make it work because people get stuck, you know, after buying the robot, how to actually implement the process.
0: Yeah. And the cool thing is like now, robots have become so much easier to program. And I've written probably 3,000 robot programs by hand with the teach Pendant, and this was 15 years ago. It was not that easy now it's just you know little prompts you follow the prompts yep. through and it does yeah. all the heavy lifting for you literally yeah. and yeah. figuratively yeah yeah,
1: yeah super cool. it's super good so i'm super excited to um get this in uh we're going to actually put it on the SMX first mm, nice. 2100 so tyson's going to actually get a play with the robot first <laughs> it's not fair oh man but you got the big old pilot system mm-hmm. no, true. so one thing that i love is like we teach everything from hey you're in a garage we're going to teach you how to actually make the academy parts we're going to teach you how to to make your own parts and show you how to even start your own company there's a million people now in garages that are like titan built from youtube videos and from our academy and and they they love it and i love when they all tell us these stories about how they started and stuff and then they end up going out and Renting a place and getting mm-hmm. machines and doing these things, but I love that we we teach on that level. Then we teach just we have two hundred thousand students on our academy right now, and more than half are active machinists in the workplace that just want to learn CAM or yeah. learn five axes or learn, you know, t- just to get better. And I, I love that, yeah. but I love this new season that we're in too. Where it's like not only have we taught you all of this stuff with programming and, you know, through 1600 videos on YouTube, like we've taught on so many different levels, whether it's from pushing machines to complete applications and how to how to drill, how to mill all these different types of materials and everything. But now it's like now we're stepping in so hard into the automation to teach owners and leaders that it is possible that you can do it. like when you look at a phone it's automated in china so it's not about two dollars an hour anymore it's 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 automated so if they're using the same type of machines that we use why can't we just do it here but just be smart about it so um we've already been uh programming this bad boy and showing how to use this you know this uh rsp right here and the rsp yeah, just teaching teach on this now, you know, and, and we have the DN, we have the DN solutions that we just came in, and uh, you were like super impressed, right? Oh yeah, that linear 12 pallet station is super impressive, yeah. and that thing is almost fully set up, right? It's yeah. they have a couple things that they have to do, right? What do you, What do you think about that, bad yeah, boy? Yeah,
3: that dude is so amazing. Like I was kind of, I don't want to say scared of it, but you know, like. Okay, how? What is this going to be? Because you know, a lot of people that get something like that, they've got all these things in the on the screen that make it look fancy. Like you can clearly tell it's more geared to like a computer nerd and st- instead of somebody like us. But this one is really built with the person that's going to be running this in mind, mm-hmm. or the the manager that's going to be standing in front of it. It doesn't give you any fluff. You see what you need to see. And you do what you need to do on it. And that's what I love about it. It was, it's so simple.
1: Super simple. Mm-hmm. And
3: what the power that it has in it, that you can see, I could see months in advance. If I have every pallet on there and I have a, a cycle time for each or whatever I have, I can see my entire schedule. I know based off how many times, how much time I'm going to have an operator here and how much time I want to run the machine. I can put that in there and know exactly if I'm going to be late on projects because I I can put a due date mm-hmm. on things. I can see if I'm going to be late on anything. I can see if I tweak little things, if I'm going to be, you know, now I'm going to be on time. Or I can see how many I'm going to make per day. It's it's just so crazy for that's scheduling. Amazing. And that's wise. super cool because
0: exactly. I've worked with several pallet systems before that were not intuitive like that and they were like made my job harder having to figure out how they worked and stuff and it's cool too that we have both types of pallet system here we have the rotary and then we have the linear so you know no matter what kind of pallet system you're getting into you'll get to see how they work from us
1: yeah 100 percent
0: and that was something that I thought was funny when I first started here is anytime I was like, hey, Titan, you know, I'm thinking about doing a video on this, he would say, oh, well, here's one I did on that seven years ago. <laughs> and it, I think it's amazing the wealth of knowledge that our channel puts out there. So like you were saying, the garage shop yeah, can learn sure. from us. The huge aerospace company can learn from us. Yeah. It's super cool. One, one, yeah, thing, that,
1: one thing that <laughs> I don't like, I don't want to poke too hard, but.
3: There's a a, a lot of influencers (laughs) out
1: there that, hey, pay me $20,000, I'm going to show up. And they will show up anywhere and showcase anything for $20,000. If you pay it, they're going to show up. I love the fact that not only do we do free education but certs for free in our kids' hands and machinists' hands all over the world and we're changing the industry and stuff. But I just love the fact that there's a there's a why behind everything we do. There are, there are companies lined up at that door wanting to give us money and we do not accept it. We don't, there's so many people that we don't talk to and it's like there is a reason why we do everything. And so when you have the halter, the it is a perfect system for job shops, for companies just have, they have a lot of parts that they need to run nice and efficient. I can explain exactly, it's exactly what I always thought we needed. And now I, like, found it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. when when I was trying to design it so many years ago, and, and we have it, man, and I'm not taking – credit from anything from them. I'm just saying like, my mind was like, this is the problem that needs to be solved and nobody's talking about it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I went so far on it and stuff. So now to see that somebody else actually created a legit system that is that easy to move around and, and attach to your machine and then move it, you know? And, and it's so awesome, man. But it's like when we come to, you know, DN solutions. I love that we can we can explain exactly what I like Haas, Haas is a beginner machine and I wouldn't be here without Haas, right? And and like Spindles will break and things will happen, but the amount of money that you're dealing with is on a lower level. And when you start out, it's good. And if you just run four-wheel drive parts or you run simple parts mm-hmm. with open tolerance, like it's a good machine and it's, it's great. You know what I mean? And I knew why we made a bunch of tutorials with that, but there's levels to the game. So as you, as you start going up in more, and run more complex materials and hit t- tighter tolerances and do, do these different things, then you keep going up. So with DN Solutions, it was like if, if I go up to a Makino or, Makino or a DMG or, or these, everyone who watches us, they're gonna, they're basically just gonna blindly spend the money because because they trust me and the team. You know what I mean? So it's like, what is the best solution up you know and that's dn solutions because it is not the same price it's 20 to 30 percent less expensive i kind of call it like when you look at you know all the cars and stuff it's it's kind of like the lexus it's a beautiful car but it's affordable you know for that you're not paying the 150 you're paying the lower price you know what i mean and that matters when you quote you're going to say something
0: Well, I was just going to say that when I was first the uh, interviewing here, I remember asking you, "How come I always see the same couple end mills, the same couple drills, and in, in your videos, like do you not use anything else?" And you said, "I will only show our audience the things that I personal personally believe in, that I think is going to help their yeah. shops." and I would, if, if you had had a different answer and just said, oh, you know, these guys pay me, so, you know, I'll just show whatever they ask me to, I wouldn't have came to work here. yeah So I was so impressed by your answers on a lot of those things that,
1: like. Pe- people was like, you don't think everyone's gonna pay us? You don't think I <laughs> right. get paid from every single person? I We could just load up partners and load up all this stuff. They'll all pay, but why why would you use why are you gonna use street tires to, to go up country mm. and go mudding, you know what I mean, or, or yep. something. It's like, if this tool is the best and it solved my problems and I made the videos of actual making aerospace parts and they ran for seven hours when other ones only ran for like 90 minutes tops and most broke at 20 minutes, and, and why, why am I gonna go subpar? You know, especially with the Academy right now, you can actually, with our store, you can get these, these. the prices of these tools are like 50 bucks, 60 bucks, yep. you know what I mean? So you get these incredible tools at a low discount, which is something that we wanted to do for the industry. So everybody had a shot at it and stuff, but it's like everything, there's a reason for everything. And that's why I can sit here next to these big old hellers right here. So you, you talked about the DM, and it, it is a premium machine at an amazing price. And it is, the quality is exceptional. The price is like that. That price is just, it's under all the premium, other premium machines and stuff. And that matters. So I love that we have an automation system, two automation systems that can actually attach to that platform and make that and automate the whole thing. You know, now, heller heller will not tell you that they're competing on that level they're not trying to because they're not a premium machine mm-hmm. they're a top level machine they they compete they're so far above the dmg Moris and the the other di- if you would have all those machines at the big auto plants if they were the ones that right. just ran forever or like you,
0: cheryl marine guys yeah. with
1: dmg tattoos and like Heller is just a monster. You'd you'd have to go to find competition on that. There's barely any, and it would probably be a grobe. But for what they do, they sit alone. It's they make a brilliant machine, and even when we were at Detroit Diesel, these machines are running for twenty years. Yeah, like yep. twenty years. Twenty four hours. Fifty machines, twenty four seven, and basically just a few people operating them making a million diesel engines just absolute monsters. But the the price goes up, right? From the DN, the price goes up. It's like if if you're a job shop, you're making all of these different parts and stuff and, and you're make, you're a production facility and depending on the type of parts and how long you're running and everything, DN is like brilliant for you. But if you are going up to the top level, you're like crazy aerospace, hard materials, you know, run all the time, you're gonna do these different things and, and you're going big and you can afford it, then you go to a Bugatti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the Bugatti is like the Heller, and this this thing is a monster. But it's still, you know, what's crazy? The guys from Sheryl uh, Marine said this was actually less expensive yeah. than the DMG Morris with yeah. actually, and you could get it quicker. Yeah, you know?
0: they said it was a better machine for less money.
1: Yeah. Mm. So, insane. so you're teaching automation now on all platforms, everything, and even when you go to the smaller, the smaller machines and the garage machines, you can still figure out the custom fixturing, the programming techniques, the custom tools, everything, you know. Yeah. Any yeah. any advice like like this was a this was a great run just on things that you know, people can do like where they should start trying to save money, you know, when it comes to programming yeah. and operating yeah. a machine and stuff. And we kind of went on the different levels. But uh
2: I think really, I mean For me, it's saving time. Wherever you can save time, wherever that means standardizing, whether it's your programming, I mean, standardize your toolbox. I mean, I remember back in the day, like you work with what you have and where you're at. I remember we color-coded the pens and the Sharpies, and you may think that's silly, but when you have to go around because you can't okay. find a pin or a deburr mm-hmm. knife or something like that, that is time wasted. Mm, exactly. So Tra- Travis went and
1: got all the different colors. It was like of fourteen colors of tape. tape. That wasn't easy. <laughs> but to it find. Was, and it was great though because if you're on a red machine, you should have all red tools. Yeah. And it just made perfect sense.
2: Yeah, and it saved time. And every second you save, time after time after time again, just equals money in your pocket. Exactly. Oh, maybe being
0: colorblind would have just triggered.
1: Me. <laughs> I didn't think about it. But but when, you, all when you when, you, when you, <laughs> you grab a tool and you know you're like, hey, this is purple, and then you're over here, like, you go take it back and put it back. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah and that's a very good point. Anytime that you're having to look for something. That should not happen. No. exactly. Everything exactly. should be where it belongs all the time. With
2: and you could do that as steps yeah. as possible. Yep. And yep. you can do that whether you're in, you know, a ten million dollar shop or a hundred dollar garage. You can still yeah. do that.
1: Yeah. And uh, Travis, hanging from, hanging from all the lights on our machines back in the day, what was hanging there that you could also hang around your neck? Uh, well, oh, the, the, Oh, yeah,
2: is stopwatch. Stop yeah, Stopwatches, baby. baby. Yeah. So. Sure.
1: That's how serious we oh. took it, man. I actually put stopwatches at every single uh, control and hung it there and just made a game. It is it is literally a video game that you play every single day and let's have some fun and let's see like, you know, let's just see. I you do know? remember yeah. when I first came seeing the stopwatches. Are we, we racing? <laughs> We're
2: racing, let's go. what's happening?
0: On your mark, get yeah. set. Yeah. This is the time your bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's kind of what I wanted to do is reiterate that is like, cause there's going to be people that's watching this. It's going to get fired up. Like, Oh, I want to, I want to, you know, fix the issues in my shop, but you're going to see 10,000 issues right off the bat. And you're going to get overwhelmed at where to start. Mm -hmm. So my, advice would be to identify where your biggest problem is Mm -hmm. just start there yeah because it's going to be probably pretty glaring run time yeah what is my biggest issue that i'm having and just start there just try to focus on that and get that and then once you do you're going to kind of learn a process and then just build from there
2: for sure absolutely you know at our (laughs)
3: press job before you know we had a huge problem of drilling a certain type of copper and it was the biggest by far the biggest problem that we had and among 10,000 other Mm -hmm. problems but this one when we broke a drill or something in copper it was a very expensive part by that time and so we took a programmer's like dude take this piece of scrap, go down there develop us a process let's implement it and everybody do this and just just something like that start there
0: Yep, and no, consider the consider the complexity of the problem too. Because if it's something that's going to take you, you know, a year to fix, maybe you ought to start with something that's a little bit
3: quicker. Yeah. Look for yeah. some low hanging fruit knock right. those out, and then knock come back out. to that long snowball. Long yeah, future. great yep. thinking. Great yep. thinking.
1: Yep. I think I think that ninety nine percent of all jobs that are running, you can bring the time down. So oh yeah, yeah I almost guaranteed. Yep. Yeah, people people that think that they they can't. But it's like there's so many things that you're not thinking about. And there's so many variables at play. And I think that one of the the key things that you have to do is look at look at the program, look at the setup. And even programming, you know, you have to think about the rigidity of, you know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, even the material, like. How much are you holding on to, you know, yep. three sixteenths? What if you went to a dovetail? You could actually get paid less expense like right. you have less material to machine off and now you only have to have an eighth. I mean, it all matters, mm-hmm. right? So just looking at the part, looking at how it's held, looking at every single tool, making sure like you're looking at like for through these drilled holes, am I using the most efficient tool? And and man, that alone can just save you amount of time and then And then you just keep looking at automating and fixturing and all that. And then when you're ready, you just keep jumping the levels, boom, boom, boom.
2: Step after step.
1: But I think another thing I just wanna say right before is again, supply chain is a problem. Companies have problems because they're not manufacturing their own parts and they're taking all of these parts are being done overseas. So be the solution, find the company, come up with an amazing game plan, sell it to them. And that might be the start of you going from a 5,000 square foot shop to a 60,000 square foot shop yeah. and digging your roots into yeah. a company that can't survive without you. And that's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. 100%. A little bit of advice right mm-hmm. there. Thank oh, you guys, yeah. man. I love working yeah, yeah. with you guys. Yeah. Love uh, you guys. Yeah, you guys Boom. are all right too.
2: Uh, uh. (laughs) all right boom we're out boom peace